So another defeat for Burnley, a 3-0 loss to Crystal Palace at Salas Park on Saturday. That's the third defeat in a row for a team that is now without a win in two months. 13 points from 26 games. Three wins, four draws and 19 defeats this season. The goal difference speaks for itself. 58 goals conceded and just 25 scored. The Clarets are now eight points from safety. And in reality, it just feels a matter of time before relegation to the championship is confirmed. This was another woeful performance, hardly helped by Josh Brownell's first half red card after an inexplicable hospital pass from goalkeeper James Trafford. All three goals came in an 11-minute second-half spell, and then we were treated to a bizarre triple substitution in the 91st minute, which at least gave the crowd a chance for a slightly sarcastic rendition of the Manuel Benson song from last season. Vincent Company decided to walk over to the away end at the final whistle, and by all accounts received a mixed reception from fans who had sung his name with such pride and passion last season. Have the fans now turned against the manager? Is it time for Chairman Alan Pace to answer some questions? We'll discuss all that and more on this episode of From the BON. Welcome to From the Be All Then. I'm Simon Evans. With me is Andrew Greaves, Paul Woodhouse, Justin Connolly and Chris Borden. The full pod squad here to discuss another miserable uh, Saturday for Burnley. Oh, who wants the pleasure of starting us off with this one? Greavesy, fire away. I knew you'd throw to me, you bugger. Um, yeah, it's where do we start? I mean, you, you. I think your intro absolutely summed it up perfectly. The kind of feeling. I mean, you started off with a, a rather downcast, another defeat for Burnley. I mean, I know we've tried to be positive, but it's very difficult to try and get any cheering. Um, and I was, I think that's worse than Arsenal. I, I genuinely think, you know, you kind of went, we want a response. And the response was that we'd got worse. Now, I don't know what the issue is because it goes past just the tactics and the team selection now, doesn't it? I think. You know, I, I described the performance as um, non-existent, I think, in that first half. And then you put out on our Twitter feed, quite literally non-existent, you know, zero for every single category when it came to shots and touches in the opposition box and things like that. Um, the ghost, of course, had, uh, had exited stage left by that point, just half an hour in after uh, uh, my second favourite player, uh, James Trafford, uh, and managed to play him not so much a hospital pass, but a you know a full A and E department surgical removal type pass. Um, and to paraphrase uh, Roy Keane when he was talking about De Gea a couple of years ago, I am sick of this goalkeeper because <laughs> it's got to the point now where you can't even you know oh he's a good shot stopper. Everyone says to me oh he's a good shot stopper. He's a good shot stopper, but he's got all good shot stoppers. You know what I mean? Tell me a goalkeeper who's not a good shot stopper. <laughs> By their very nature, they... That's what they do. <laughs> shot, don't they? 
<laughs> I, I'm a good shot stopper on Sunday. You know, I play for the minimum amount of time as I can at six aside. Now, at the other end, we've got Phil Bird, who is a good shot stopper, but a little bit James Trafford-esque with his distribution, I have to say. <laughs> and I'm sure Birdie will be listening and knows exactly what I'm talking about. But that just set... I mean, the tone was set in the first minute when James Trafford had to attempt a flying diving header to try and intercept a Charlie Taylor back pass. And I'm sat there thinking, oh, it's going to be one of them. We afternoon. should have he, he completely missed the diving oh, header. Did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <he> did. <laughs> Mervic should have got it. Mervic should have got it, though. Mervic yeah. Uh, so, yeah, um, I'm, I've got more to say, but I will give the floor to somebody else because I'm just, you've got to laugh. If you don't laugh, you'll cry. <laughs> Woody, yeah. were you laughing or crying at that? Probably both. It was, um, I wouldn't even call it a performance. And I think we're now, we're now into those, that realm of like serious confidence issues, aren't we? Because like we're saying, it can't just be down to tactics, players, inability, whatever. You could tell with the thing that really stuck out to me with regards to that kind of back pass, missed of business was bad decision and low confidence. And similarly, mm. with regards to that hospital pass, yeah, Forget about Murich or whatever. Murich would play that pass as well, but he wouldn't have topped it. You know what I mean? He'd at least played it to feet. And it's and I think this is one of the reasons that we start, you know, we're starting to see this throughout the side. We can see it on the faces of like Amdouni. We go one goal down, shoulders are starting to drop, and you can see that there's absolutely nobody within that side who either believes what it is they can, that they should be doing what they're doing. And it it just seems to be a, a huge confidence. Um, gap throughout the entire side and I think that's slightly worrying It is, I mean, is it inevitable Justin, I mean, you know, I listed the the stats, the raw stats there I mean, when you've had 19 defeats and 3 wins in a season your confidence mm. is bound to be low, mm. isn't it? But I mean, but something should be done about that shouldn't it? it yeah, I mean it is difficult to put your finger on um, on how you dig yourself out of that hole, isn't it? I think you, you company went on and on this week, didn't he, about going back to getting the basics right. Um, and I suppose that's one way to get your foot back on the ladder, isn't it? But they didn't, they, they showed absolutely no signs of doing that whatsoever. Stray passes, you know, they gave the ball away so many times. Um, absolutely no threat whatsoever up front. And it, when you watch them play, it's really difficult to discern any kind of plan, isn't it? You don't know what they're actually trying to do. We said this before, but it's it's such a it's such a strange um, predicament that they find themselves in now. From the highs of last season to where we are now, I don't think any of, of us. I mean, I think we all predicted a tough season, but to get to where we are now, I mean, last week um, I described the performance as if they were they were playing like they were. Elderly sheep. I don't know if you remember that, but I do funnily enough. In the, in, in the in, it seems like the the sheep have actually expired this week. That they are that they we are playing a team of dead sheep. It was so easy for a very very poor Crystal Palace side uh, to get through. Us. it's unbelievable. There, there was a there was a line in um, Jonathan Wilson's Guardian uh, match report that I thought summed it up perfectly. All you have to do against Burnley this season is wait. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. They didn't play particularly well, Palace. All they had to do is wait for the chance. And it always comes. And then when they get one, they get another. 
and then they get another. I mean, three nil against that side. You know, um, what else can you say? No, no, there's not a lot you can say about it, really. I mean, a totally demoralised-looking team putting in a, a, a totally miserable performance. Chris, your thoughts on it? Yeah, that, it's, there's, there's ways of losing, isn't there? You know, and the, week on week now, we're just you know going down with a whimper. It's just weak. It's, uh, yeah, it's it's ineptitude. It, it's it, it just a... We'll, we'll, we'll never know. I mean, like sort of Vincent talking in the week about, uh, you know, it sort of didn't feel necessarily that the uh, a side that romps the championship with 101 points and only loses three games all season wasn't good enough for the Premier League. We'll never know if they were good enough. But this lot are nowhere near. And they're a worse side. There's... So, it was on. Is it John Robertson on on Twitter, Burnley fan earlier today, sort of doing the maths and uh, in terms of a drop off. I mean, Burnley've got thirteen points, and it's March next week, and there's never been a drop off. You know, from from hundred and one points to what Burnley are on now. I think they've got to attain ten points in the last twelve games to avoid another record, and it's not going to happen. They're not going to get to twenty points. They're going to go down as one of the worst sides in Premier League history with one of the worst home records in Premier League history. And I'm just thoroughly embarrassed. And I'm quite ambivalent now whether whether company stays or goes, to be honest. it's uh, I don't see things things getting any better. You look at, I mean, it's linked with the Belgium job, linked with the Chelsea job, linked with the Spurs job, and they must all be thinking, oof. You know what, 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 what might have been there? But, you know, you're coming off watching watching Chelsea, who have spent an awful lot of money and just showing very little signs of gelling, and obviously not not spent anywhere near as like as much money in comparison. But in Burnley Burnley world, they have, and it's yeah. just just no, there's no cohesion. There's no, we, the, you know, the, the the game plan last season. I say we weren't going to football teams to death in in the Premier League necessarily, but it would have been prudent, I think, to sort of try and stick to that, you know, that, that way of playing and, uh, and, you know, just try and supplement it over the summer. And if they go down, fine, we build again, but you're going to have to rebuild again this summer. And it's, it, it's there's no guarantees. It's going to be an awfully strong championship next season. No guarantee of success. No, I mean it's funny. Like that, the 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 commentator on the world feed. We had a return of the Vincent Company has stuck to his principles line, um, which I hadn't heard for a while. And this idea of, from people who don't watch Burnley very much that the reason why the team has struggled is because they won the championship playing this brilliant passing football, and they've tried to do that in the Premier League, and it's just not worked. And 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 the evidence apparently would be James Trafford playing a short pass to Josh Brown or the. That led to a red card and and, and cost the team uh, heavily. Um, it's just nonsense, isn't it? Because they're not playing anything like that. I mean, the idea that they're playing some version of the of the football that was played last season—that's gone out of the window ages ago. You know, it's just—I don't know. Like Greavesy said, I don't know what the plan was. What 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 the team is? It it seems to me, and I think this is like a a, a thing that needs addressing. It seems to me that it's 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 more than just confidence. It's, they look utterly demoralised, but to me, so does company. You know, and you can get into amateur psychology looking at his body language and all that kind of stuff, but 
the amount of photos with him with his head in his hands, just his demeanour during the interviews now where yeah, I, I do feel a bit sorry for him in a way. I mean, what can he say? Like, you know, when it's, it's not really fair to sort of pick apart and wait. Oh, he said that we fought all game and we didn't fight all game. I mean, he's got to say something. What can you say about that? But it looks to me, I don't for the first time, I'm starting to think he might not be Burnley manager next season. Not because Pace sacks him, but there's just, I'm just, I don't know. Is, is he out of the question, Greavesy, that Vincent Company looks at this and says, this isn't doing me any good? I don't know, because I, I, I think there is a like, I think with him, there is an utter belief that he will get this right. I, I, and I genuinely think that. And I think that's fed into the reason why he stubbornly persevered with the various experiments. I mean, I'm doing a yesterday before he was hooked to, to bring Cullen on. I'd forgot he was playing anonymous. Orderbart for a large, uh, Orderbert for a large part, anonymous. Berger, worst game in a Burnley shirt. Brownhill until that point, anonymous, you know. Um, and I, I just, I actually thought we looked a more coherent side in injury time when we'd made that weird triple substitution that almost felt slightly insulting. And a lot of people have said when we kind of put that out on our Twitter feeds, you know, it felt a bit childish. It felt petulant. It felt, you know, a little bit snide. That's bringing on Jack Cork, Manuel Benson and Jay Rodriguez. Jay Rodriguez, yeah. yeah. Because I actually thought Cullen, I thought Cullen offered more in the centre of the park than we've seen from other midfielders. Absolutely, yeah. You know, he's looking for the ball. What you want in a situation like this, and like you say, you're going to kind of cod psychology and amateur psychology. What you want is somebody looking for the ball. And yesterday we had people actively not looking for the ball. You know, there were times when the turnover of possession was just horrendous from both sides, I should say. I mean, they weren't much better. Um, but when Cullen came on, he was looking for the ball, you know, and that's that's what you want. And I said, I said earlier to someone, what we're missing is somebody to, you know, grab hold of the situation by the scruff of the neck and say, this is not good enough. You know, you saw Estev doing the chin up, chin up. We're too soft. We're too soft. We're too passive. We're too meek and mild. We let teams steamroller us. And, you know, as, as, you know, just in quarter from the Guardian match pot. Palace did it at Turf Moor. They waited, 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 got the chance. West Ham did it at Turf Moor. Waited, waited, waited. Company made a couple of substitutions that handed the game to West Ham at Burnley being 1-0 up. And it's just, I can imagine the dressing room is meek and mild because we're just, we've got no mental strength. We've got physical strength that's lacking for this league. And actually, you know, I, there was a time when, uh, it was just after Vitinho had given the penalty when it, it went to the bench and Charlie Taylor and, and Jay Rodriguez were sat there and it, they both had that, mm, could have seen that coming, kind of look on their face, you know. But at 2-0 down again, we've chosen to take off a left-back and put on another left-back. Yeah, you, you know what I mean? It, yeah. Everything about it just feels like, I don't know. It is weird how he's gone from being this tactical genius last year to dismantling the team, as we've said several times, and then coming up with a style of play that has no noticeable, no identifiable identity. There is no... Last year, there was an identity to that team. This year, I don't know what we're meant to be doing. I don't know what... Like, how Amdouni keeps getting games, you know? How Trafford keeps getting games. 
how Audubert keeps getting games for me, and I know there's a different opinion on on you know Wilson and, and things like that. And I'm not saying he won't be a good player, but in the system we're playing, we need you know you almost needed a, a Goodmanson and a Brun Larson, you know, more of a workhorse set of wingers. You know, even I thought even Benson showed a lot more composure, a lot more wing nous, shall we say, and he's very very brief you know, 10, 11 minute cameo. And again, that might be me with claret into spectacles looking at... No, but I mean, he got the ball at his... He got, he got the ball at his feet and defenders started backing off and he looked in control of the ball and the situation for about five seconds, which in that Burnley team, compared to everybody else who, who, who gives it away almost instantly, is... I mean, Justin, one of the reasons why I'm reluctant to go down the path of like analysing what company says again is it almost feels like it almost feels like a pointless exercise in the sense that he can't possibly be b- believing what he says about the team's got fight, we're just getting done in little little incidents and little mistakes. I mean, he's he's not daft. He must be looking at that team and, and reaching the same conclusions as everybody else, shouldn't he? Well, you, you've got to imagine so. I mean, they they have access to all the stats and everything. That'll that'll tell them how many times we gave the ball away, surely. Yeah. It's not it's not just um, us watching the game and having a having a downer on it, it is actually bad. So um, I don't know. I think it's strange, isn't it, that he's still um, ten 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 months after the end of last season, he's still having to defend the decisions that he took at that point, isn't he? He's still talking about. He's still being asked about why Benson's not getting a game and why Zururi's gone and why why is all this sort of stuff still happening? But I don't. I don't know. I, 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 he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who would give up on some on something like this. Um, clearly, clearly, he's, he's um, you know he's, he's aiming for a long and successful managerial career. Otherwise, why start it? And this would be a massive reputational hit if he just quits and walks out on the club, um, having done what he's done. I think. <sighs> He still has some credit in the bank with the fans, I think, and I think that's part of the reason for the apathy. I think you know we don't we this, they're burning through that credit really, really quickly, and 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 the, the apathy is, I think, uh, looking at what people are saying online, is turning into anger. But I think when he walked over to the crowd at the end of the game, he looked to me like he was doing one of those. One last look at the fans before I, uh, you know, get the bullet in the morning or or something like that. But he said after the game, didn't he, that he just wants to face it, face up to the fact that we aren't, you know, we aren't good enough, and I can't I can't go and stand in front of the fans applauding when we win, and then not go and face them when we're when things are going badly. Um, I think that's and I think that's the I think that's right. Yeah, that's fair enough, isn't it? Yeah, he he did the old hands up sort of thing hands that up. I remember uh, yeah, Solskjaer of. doing just before he got potted at Man United. But but it, yeah, it, it, had that, it did have that kind of feel to it, didn't it? But I you know I'd be really I'd be really surprised if if the club um, t- took the decision to to get rid of him. It's it's pretty tied on obvious now that we're not getting out of this hole and we need to start thinking about next season. Um, but he's not. I don't think he's the kind of guy to walk away. And I think if he did, it would be potentially a fatal blow to his his career as a manager. Because if you've taken if you've taken a club from where we were at the end of that last season to to where we are now and where we're going to finish at the end of this season, 
there's not many um, of the required stature going to take a, a gamble on him again, are there? No, I think that's a really good point. Yeah, I mean, would he? he if we think back to like the last really poor relegation we had, because the ones with Dash were all, you know, battling to the end sort of things, weren't they really? Um, if you think about the Lords one, there was no hesitation amongst the fans from getting stuck into Brian Lords. I mean, I, I, I mm-hmm. remember feeling, feeling very sorry for Brian Lords as a player I'd liked, getting all that abuse, having taken on, on the job. You know, Michael Duff spoke on our podcast, didn't he, about how it was something of a poison chalice that he, he took on after Coyle. Mm-hmm. But the fans didn't want him there, so they had no hesitation in getting stuck into him. There is a hesitation with company, isn't there? I think, you know, maybe it's his reputation, but also what he did last season for, for us. There is, there is hesitation there, but it seems to be turning. You know, I mean, I asked somebody who was in the away end what kind of mixed reception company got when he went over, and he said, he said you know, there were some people clapping him, but there were also some people whose disappointment was turning turning to anger. Um, it, when you look online, when you talk to people, are you, are you picking up that the, the, the honeymoon is well and truly over with Vincent Company, and it's actually turning into something negative for him with the fans? I think I think you're right in terms of the animosity. It's not quite at Law's level because that was obviously slightly different, wasn't it? Yeah. That the 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 obviously hated Coyle going and just took it out on Brian Laws instead, and so that was drastically unfair. This is this is now his project. He's been saying it, saying it's been his project for for quite some time, and to go from what we've had to this is still quite staggering for I think for a lot of people, and I think that realization because we all know it's a you know results business, and the results aren't there, the performances aren't there, you know, even the transparency isn't there. We don't know what we're buying into. We don't know what we should be we should be seeing, but we know we're not seeing anything that screams this is what it's like to be a Burnley fan and we're just going gonna go down with a whimper. And that's simply just not good enough. But what is the alternative option? We don't know what that looks like either. You know, is it better the devil you know for a while and and see how that transpires for a few games next year? We just haven't a clue and I don't know. Nobody does. And I think this has been one of the problems with you know, this ALK takeover and the company era so far, that there's been huge gaps in terms of what it is that we're supposed to be doing and what it is we're supposed to be understanding. And it's, I don't know, it's a rather sad state of affairs, all told. Yeah, let's get into that, actually, because that's a really good point. I, I think Woody's hit a nail on the head there. There's an awful lot of things we don't understand fully because we're not told about you know the whole the whole finances of the club is is a, is a separate you know series of episodes isn't it to get get to the bottom of that but just generally i mean these things haven't been explained i mean chris when you look at you know the the, the transfer business but but everything around the club it seems like we're we're left to we don't know mike trezor for example people he's been out of the team for the last five games i think um when we the, the somebody said he triggered the appearances for a full transfer, I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know if anyone does, but he hasn't appeared since. So maybe it looks like to me like he was one short of that appearance thing because we haven't seen him since. And then when when company gets told by uh, gets asked by a journalist about Mac Trezor, he says, "Oh, there's a few things happened with him. He's he's been ill a bit and." It's just a lot of weird sort of vagueness about so much at the club, isn't there? I mean, 
part of that has to fall on the communication and the media side of it, doesn't it? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, again, it's I've not, I've not, I've not set foot, obviously, uh, in in Gawthorpe since uh, probably like late August, early September, twenty twenty two. So I don't, you know, the, you know, these things have changed. There, you know, there's obviously uh, you know long standing media officer, media team, but there's been there's been changes, you know, since I left as well, but. Uh, you know they brought in you know a, you know an experienced operator within the Premier League to sort of overlook things with the uh, with young Ellis who'd done a good job you know learning under uh, you know Darren and Pete etc. But uh, yeah, I, I, in terms of how much influence they have on the chairman and on you know on the message from from Vincent etc. I, I, I don't know, but uh, it is we you know we say we're, we're left a bit sort of you know. In the air about what is the you know, what is the project you know in terms of the finances what you know what uh, you know the outlay you know what you know, what, what what have we committed to over over how many years etc with some of these uh, some of these young players you know will that outlay last summer and in January affect you know this summer's outlay you know. It may well be a case of uh, you know having to sell, and you know we've held we've held the debate so we're blue in the face about uh, who we might make money on, etc. Well, that's kind of the point, isn't it? If Pace yeah. turned around and said at the end of this season, not now, he doesn't need to do it now. But if he turned around and said at the end of the season, we have to cut our cloth for the championship. We're going to have to sell four or five players in order to uh, to balance the books a little bit. Not that that's a concept that really works with Burnley, but in order to you know get our finances in line. We need to sell four or five players um, and then we'll be able to bring in two or three uh, cheaper ones to top up the squad. If you came out and said that, then the whole summer would be seen through that framework, wouldn't it? Whereas they probably won't say anything and then the deals will happen and people start reading things into them. I mean, Greavesy, I mean, it's, it's, it's this time that Pace should be coming out and saying, look, this is what's going on with the club, should he? I mean, a lot of fans are saying that. We're not hearing anything from Pace. He's hiding. You know, some people are saying, you know, what do you think about that? Is it time? It is a weird... I, I mean, I, I always think we should hear more from chairman because I, I think, you know, some clubs, chairman, you you know, you don't hear much from and that's great when things are going well and, you know, there is a tendency for club chairman to to be there in the spotlight when things are going well and not to be there when things are going badly. So um, I think it is a difficult one because I I, I think it's a very unusual... AOK coming in was very unusual in the way they did it and we had that absolute, you know, um, nonsense about, oh, we can't really say anything, but I can say that Burnley fans, if they knew, would be really proud about how we've finance the club and things like that. So you're kind of setting yourself up a little bit there. That was right? weird, wasn't it? That was you a weird way of presenting like, it. I can't say anything, but you'd... And we've speculated, I think I've speculated, that I, I, I do think ALK is almost like a horse racing syndicate where, it, you know, everybody buys into ALK and ALK own the football club, you know, a bit like you would do with a horse racing syndicate. And, you know, that's how JJ Watt and the other fella who turned up the other week and has not been since before. That, Malcolm Jenkins. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, um, doing him a little bit of a disservice, being such a big kind of um, him being a big NFL star and me knowing bugger all about NFL. But so I think that is the model. But if somebody came out and said, "Look, this is the model. What it allows us to do is it allows us to bring in expertise and investment from a wide range of people, 
And actually, you know, that means that everybody feeds into the process. And actually, Burnley fans, rather than just having the five of us who, who are A-OK or four of us, three of us, whatever it is, Hunt and, and Pace and um, Dave Checkets and things like that, um, you know, it, it's that if that's if it's such an innovative way of doing things and it's such a positive and we're going to be so proud that we've done it this way, just tell us about it. Because actually then it stops idiots like us keep going, oh, Pace, whoa, A-OK, oh, JJ, what, and all this nonsense. Because that it's the shrouded in mystery bit that I really don't understand. I don't understand why we have to be secretive. In terms of him coming out and saying more, somebody did point out on Up the Clarets that, you know, he writes programme notes every week yeah. uh, or every game. And my my view on that is, it's welcoming the opposition team. It's, oh, we were disappointed to come away from Anfield with nothing despite a good performance. You know, we back wins. You know, it's the same every week. It's rinse and repeat, isn't it? So I, I think there should be, and I don't know if it's in the government's charter for, for kind of, you know, ownership. I think there should be almost a kind of twice a season opportunity where chairman of a football club have to hold maybe a ticketed event with supporters where there is full you know, full disclosure, maybe even live streams. But I think they should, I think all chairmen, not just Alan Pace, and again, it's not a cheap shot at Alan Pace, um, before anybody jumps on about we're part of the bloody Illuminati that's run this club since the 1970s and all that shite. It is what I think is needed across the whole of football is accountability for those who make decisions. You know, you think about how German fans get all let up because Bundesliga is on about selling rights and things like that. German fans would not put up with this nonsense. You know, they genuinely wouldn't because they've got that culture of A, being fan-owned, and I know we've gone beyond the the kind of line for that. But what's to stop chairman being forced to be accountable to their fans? And if you think about some of the absolute disasters at the minute, Rochdale seemingly not far from, from liquidation, Torquay the same, Reading with their chairman, Sheffield Wednesday with their ownership, Get them in front of the fans. Have it as an open forum run by the local radio station, if you will. Let's give it to the BBC. Let's give it to commercial radio. Let's give it to a rights holder. But it should be twice a season, you know, or maybe start the season, mid-season, end of the season. They should be accountable. And people can whinge on forums that I'm expecting too much and all that lot. And I don't care because I think there needs to be accountability for fans who pay their hard-earned money every single week. Them poor bastards who went to Sellers Park should have been refunded out the pocket of those players for making that trip on Saturday. And I think, again, you know, there's a lot of you know, a lot of nonsense. It's all for sure when you say stuff like that. Genuinely believe it. Non-existent performance. Burnley fans were there until the end. And we get nothing back from, from ownership. And it's the same under Garlic. Same to an extent under Barry Kilby as well. You know, chairman, you know, I think Barry was probably a little bit better. Teasdale was a little bit, you know, here and there every now and again. But I, I just think it's, you know, under Garlic, I'd have said exactly the same. I, I think there should be accountability for fans in the form of an open forum where fans, not just shareholders at the AGM, because we've barely got any shareholders now because Alan Pace and AOK, you know, offered to buy people's shares open forum for any fans to go to, to be filmed, recorded, you know, minutes cast, et cetera, et cetera. No, no, 100%. We should organise it. We should host it. Yeah, have Alan, Alan, Alan Pace uh, come on from the B-all end as an We've open tried. event. We've tried. We, I, we, we'd, love to, we'd love to have him on. I mean, if we if we did have him on, 
he's, he's, we've not had any signs that he's uh, anxiously waiting for the second or third invite. But <laughs> if we did have him on, would he? What, what, what would you ask? What would we ask him though? What would we ask him now? Bloody hell! Um, How? I would, would want you, if you were sat I would down want, on pace. Yeah, I'd try and we'll do my own work first. Are. I know. Thanks very much. But it would be, as Greasy just said, it's about that level of transparency. I'd want to know what the plan is. I'd want to know what the longer-term plan for Burnley is. I'd want to know how secure the club is realistically, not in terms of, you know, ALK speak, but realistically, and, you know, just lay that out, and then we'd have a level of understanding. It's not a lot we want to know out of them. It's just that level of transparency. And then we can either buy into it or not. It's not difficult. I mean, we know mm. we know what people are like around Burnley. If you if you don't if you aren't transparent and upfront and honest with them, then the rumours go wildfire, don't they? Yeah. I mean, so, some of the ones over the years that we've heard about, you know, and never mind the transfer deadline day of who's been spotted in Tesco or McDonald's in Clither or all these kind of things. <laughs> you know, there's, there's there's always those kind of things going on. But big picture, you know, the stories over the years about how many training ground bust-ups where, you know, somebody's lamped so-and-so and that's why he's not, or somebody's slept with somebody's wife and that's why they're not in the team and all that. All that kind of thing goes on. But if you have big questions, I mean, you know, a smart communication approach about Mike Trezor, for example, you might say, we don't want to put it out there, what our deal was. Okay, fine. But you can end the speculation by leaking it in some way that it's understood that he's got, you know, he's, he's about to trigger an appearance thing or whatever it is. I mean, Chris, what would you ask him if you, if you got the chance to, if Pace was here on, 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 on Thursday's episode of From the Beal, and what would your first question be? It's, it's one of those, it's, we, we sort of, we, we knew going down two years ago that we, you know, there was this issue with, uh, was it like you know, the, the loan having to be paid you know, a significant chunk of the loan being had to pay me into it. You know, again, where we stand from a financial perspective, etc., and what that gives Vincent or a another, you know, in terms of a war chest moving forward. I mean, you know, you'd like to think if he gets he gets a similar amount to spend again, and you know. Spent half of what they generated in the window two years ago. If he gets that again, every likelihood, you know, you think that you know Burnley will be in and around, you know, the promotion uh, picture, etc. So yeah, I'd like a bit of clarity on that front. I think we'd all sort of like. Uh, I mean, it's not it's, it's not necessarily the the gift to have to do that, you know, chairman, but just a a nice little, you know, Vincent's my man, sort of thing, you know. It's, it's been a tricky old season, but uh, you know something like that, just some sort of insight into where he sees things going on that front. You know whether he's on borrowed time, whether he's you know he expects a you know significant improvement, etc. But uh, yeah, it's, it's all very it's all very quiet, isn't it? Justin, what would what would be on top of your agenda? Sitting down with uh, Alan Pace on Thursday's episode. Can I have my money back, please? <laughs> no, obviously, I, I, th- I think all the, I think every all the suggestions that people have made are uh, are clearly in the best interest of the fans. 
I just don't think I I just don't think they'd tell you anything. I just think they'd keep it all under their hat. I don't think they see, from despite what they say, all the noises that they make. I think they see this very much as we own the club. We call the shots. <clears throat> the shutters go up when we let you in to watch the games, and then once the game's over, that's it. You know, yeah. we're not. You see a lot of people, don't you know, saying it doesn't... I mean, I know I said it first on this podcast, it doesn't feel like Burnley anymore, but there's a lot of people saying, you know, mm-hmm. I, I want my club back, that sort of thing. You know, it does feel very much like they see it as <clears throat> their play thing. Um, so why, if you got them, if you if you managed to get them on the spot, do you think they'd really tell you what was really going on behind the scenes? Or, you know, would it all be a smoke and mirrors exercise? I'm not... Uh, I'm not convinced that they have got transparency on on the agenda, even if you even if you did manage to nail them down. I mean, we we see week in week out at the press conference, Vincent Company has gone from being quite transparent, quite open about what was going on. To, I mean, we don't even know when players are injured now, do we? Let alone, I mean, so most of them have had their operation by the time we find out anything about it, and it's usually when the player themselves has, has tweeted a picture of themselves in hospital recovering from whatever whatever injury they've uh, been operated on for. So, yeah, I, it would be nice if they would give us a bit of a clue about what was going on and 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 what 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 the plans were, what what direction we're headed in, but. I think we're on a hide into nothing there, to be honest. I'd like to know who owns the club, really. Who 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 actually mm-hmm. does own the club? Because we know Pace is the chairman, but when, when it really comes to the big decisions, if there are these silent investors behind the scenes, I'd like to know who they are. You know, I'd like to know who actually is in charge of the club because it's it's serious stuff, isn't it? Because and you know, the loans the loans definitely need addressing. Um, we read we read Chester Perry on on up the clarets and and people treat it like gospel and he does he does an incredible amount of work to go through and try and work out what's going on. But you know it'd be nice to be able to to say to Alan Pace, well, how accurate is what Chester Perry's saying there about that loan? Is that the situation? I understand there's business secrets and they don't need to go into 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 stuff that they don't want to. But ultimately, these loans are secured against Turf Moor and against the Gawthorpe training facility, you know, and we know where it ends up if loans don't get paid. Uh, and I'm not suggesting for one minute that we're at that situation now, but that's how serious it is. You know, if the loan's not, we could, the ground, the ground is secured, uh, <laughs> is the security against the loan. So I'd like to know who actually owns a football club. Um, there was a question put to JJ Watt on Twitter. We'll finish off with this because we, we had a little chat about this and, and had a diversity of opinion on it. Uh, Bob Lord Clarets on Twitter wrote, uh, has anyone seen Alan Pace and J.J. Watt? They seem to have gone missing. And J.J. Watt responded to this, despite the fact that he wasn't, uh, didn't appear to be tagged in it. So, you know, very observant. And he said, literally everyone has seen us. Alan is at nearly every match, and I take my lumps publicly every week. You can be frustrated, trust that we are as well, but let's not act like we're over here hiding from anything. Greavesy, what do you think of that? I I, I do agree with him. I have to say, I, I kind of I I do think as um we we just discussed Alan Pace, and I I think we've kind of worked out that when things are going well, Alan Pace will tweet and he'll he'll post stuff and he'll be a bit more active and things like that. I mean, the argument is he's you know 
before every home game to give him his due. He is walking around. He is in the fan zone, checking on them trestle tables for the international fans, waiting for you and Woody to turn up with your international membership to give you a Benny and an Athens pie, obviously, and things like that. You know, he cleans the tables, as we saw in the mission to Burnley and things like that. I, I think it's... I think JJ Watts made a bit of a rod for his own back by being so visible to begin with. Yeah. And actually when, and I think I made this point on last week's podcast, I think it was his wedding anniversary. You know, he's got a young kid. I think he's been doing something with his brother. You know, I just, I find it, I find it really weird that people lump JJ Watt into this because he's kind of stuck his neck out to be this kind of, you know, we, we love the area. He's going to spend the, the whole of March and what we understand or a vast part of March in the area. I mean, I, I just wonder what people want. I think we're getting a little bit desperate. Um, somebody else put out that Bob Lord Claret puts a missing cat poster out every time his cat goes out for a second meal and things like that. And I just, I think <laughs> it's all right to be frustrated, but look, come on, you know, the guy is a minority investor who is much to your annoyance, banging on about Benny and Ott on American TV. I think it's a bit desperate and a bit kind of, you know, I've not heard from Bobby Ball, I should say. Bobby Ball started following me on Twitter. I've not heard from Bobby Ball for a bit, you know. The only one we hear from is Matt Williams, you know. And it's, I don't know, I think it's just a bit bit of a cheap shot for me. Um, fair enough, ask where the chairman is. The chairman is the guy who makes the decisions, we're told. A, a kind of celebrity investor who's gone above and beyond to try and push the Burnley brand. I, I think well... we're just getting a little bit twatty. I'm trying to keep my own opinions a little bit out of this, but I'm gonna I'm gonna reply to that one because if go you're on. prepared <laughs> to go on top of an open decker bus <laughs> going around Burnley holding up the championship trophy after you've been involved in the club for a couple of months, right? And then you don't tweet anything for almost a fortnight about the club during their worst spell of form for years. Um, people are gonna say, you know, where are you? They are going to say that, and I think it's perfectly, perfectly fair. Now, I, I can see some logic in what you're saying, that I can almost see a strategy there for him, where he's thinking perhaps, you know what, I have overexposed myself here. I'm seen as the public face of these anonymous investors and, and so on. We don't have anyone to attach myself. Have I made a rod for my own back, as you say? Has he made himself mm -hmm. such a publicly identified part of the ownership group when he's probably not a big part of the ownership group at all? We don't know. Again, we don't know. No transparency at all. We don't know whether he owns half a share or he owns 20 shares, 20% uh, of the shares. We don't know that. But he has put himself as the public face in a way, this friendly beer-pulling version of ALK that's out there. And he's probably thought, mm, time to take a step back here a bit. This is This could get nasty. This club's going to go through a really difficult few months. It's probably probably wise just to step back a little bit. Um, mm. But I don't I don't have any problem with fans raising that question about where are you? You know, he's 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 announced himself as a co-owner as, as a part of the club, and he's the one who's out on Twitter and talking a lot. Then people are going to go towards him, aren't they? What do you mm. think, Justin? Am I being unfair there? Or... No, uh, well, I mean, I, I think. Um... He's not, he's not really in my sight line anyway, so I don't really miss him when he goes quiet. But I, I like to think of it in the, on the on the other side of the coin. What what exactly should, would we want him to be saying? I mean, I, I I wouldn't like him in my face every week, giving it the old 
we go again come on we're not we're not being <laughs> we're not being diverted from our from our course we're going to stay with and all that i wouldn't want that i wouldn't I, I, for, for me they're all better off keeping their mouth shut until it results improve a little bit because I, I don't really want to hear from them i want to see the team performing on the pitch do you know what i mean i think it's uh f- football fans only tend to get involved in this kind of thing when things are going badly don't they they, they, they don't um they don't complain when people are up front and center when things are going well um, and we just we just looking for somebody to blame and for somebody to take the blame and for somebody to tell us what they're going to do to put it right. I mean, poor old Vincent Company has to stand up every week in his press conference, and we've criticised, we've picked apart everything that he said in those press <laughs> sure. conferences. Um, I suspect we probably would do the same, whatever Alan Pace and JJ Watt came out with. Um, so uh, you know. Um, I, it doesn't bother me in the slightest that they don't that they don't come out. Um, I'm not. Do they, do they ever say anything worth listening to, really? Or is it? It's, it's always just more of the same, isn't it? Uh, depending on the circumstances. Let's. I I I I think more about the football than I think about anything else. What do you what do you make of JJ Watt? It all ties into what we've just been saying about a lack of transparency, doesn't it? We're not quite sure of what his role is. You know, is it just a cheerleader for folks in the US to be able to identify with a brand at Burnley across the States, which it primarily probably is, you know, and that would then deter from the fact that he, he should be uh, parroting uh, Burnley propaganda week in, week out. But it's like, who is responsible for putting this shit out? Is there anybody? We don't know who they are. So we tend to impose that on J.J. Watt because he stuck his neck out from above the, you know, parapet, etc. And ALK won't. Um, so for me, it all comes down to that transparency thing and not understanding uh, roles, projects, etc. And we are going to impose what we think these roles are and fill that void and fill that gap. It's what anybody does in this uh, instance, unfortunately, when it kind of happens in a, a football scenario, it all goes to shit fairly quickly when everything's uh, gone slightly awry, doesn't it? Yeah, Chris, final word on this one. Yeah, I think he's it's one of those. I mean, I was watching the Super Bowl two weeks ago when he's riding down the strip in Vegas, being interviewed by uh, Neil Reynolds from Sky NFL, and uh, you know talking about Burnley Football Club on, uh, I mean, I don't know how many viewers Sky get for their Super Bowl coverage, but, uh, you know, again, you can't you can't buy that sort of profile. And it uh, he, he, he seems a thoroughly genuine article to me. First game of the season, I was walking down, uh, you know, down, uh, down Yorkshire Street and he's outside uh, the 110 Club and he's mobbed with people wanting pictures and, he, you know, no, you can certainly imagine. Yeah, I, I want to get to me. Uh, I want to get to me exec suite, and I want to you know chill out and watch uh, watch Burnley against uh, Manchester City. But he was more than happy to to hold court with the Burnley fans, and he seems genuine in that respect. And you know that response on Twitter is well, probably stung a little. You know, he's, he's sort of like you know like, he's gone out on a limb to to really try and promote Burnley as a as a brand in in his home country and. Uh, I've no truck with with him really. He's, uh, I'd say, a bit of transparency would be would be welcome uh, all around. But uh, yeah, it's 
I I imagine he's hurting like the rest of us, even though he's only been affiliated with the club for like twelve months or so. Yeah, he does. He does seem a genuine nice bloke and everything. I just don't think there's a problem with fans uh, raising questions to him like that because he's he's put himself up there. Um, he's coming over apparently for as you said for a month, so I'm sure he'll get a. Uh, um, access to opinions from Burnley fans while, while he's over here. So it'll be interesting to see how, how it all goes. Uh, thanks very much for joining us. We have got Burnley are at home to Bournemouth on Sunday, March the 3rd. And uh, so that means we'll have to uh, fiddle things around a little bit on Sunday night to get our debrief for that out on a Monday for you. But we will be back before then on Friday with our regular episode. Thanks very much for listening. Do give us a rating and uh, let people know about us. Thanks very much again for all your feedback and uh, up the clarets. Jimmy McElroy to Watson. 